Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. Can we give King Jesus a big ovation all across this house? Once you high five your neighbor, say, I'm glad you worship today. I'm glad you worship today. And you can go ahead and have a seat. You can have a seat, have a seat, have a seat. Awesome. And I'm so thankful for you. So glad you're in this place. And you could be anywhere else. I'm just going to tell you, as I, as I shared last week, feel my heart for our church is that we would not just come into a place and we would just do church, that we would just uh, like like just go through the motions of church. And I just want to encourage you with that, that that's just going to be kind of how we're moving forward as a church, man. Wherever God calls us to go, whatever he calls us to do, we are going to do it and we're going to follow the Spirit's lead, all right? And so I'm just so thankful uh, for you. I'm so glad you're in the room. If it's your first time, man, welcome to church. We're glad you're here. Yeah, we're a little loud. Out. Yeah, we're a little wild, a little crazy, but guess what? It's because we serve a risen Savior. We serve a, a Savior that is not in the tomb. If you go to a couple of t- there's a couple of places in, in that area where they think they might have buried Jesus, well, guess what? It don't matter where you show up. He ain't in there. Come on, somebody, right? And so I'm just going to tell you, uh, I'm just excited about the fact that we get to worship that God today, and we get to do that, and we get to open his word, and I think that's important as well. When we come in a setting like this, we're going to open open God's Word together every single week, and so I'd encourage you to bring your Bible. I always read out of my paper Bible for the most part, and I just want to encourage you with that, that you and I, man, we just lean into what God is calling us to do, and I don't know about you, but man, I've seen the last couple weeks, God is on the move, right? God is doing something. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for it. I'm excited for it, and today, we're going to go after it together. Everybody good with that? I said everybody good with that? All right, good. So we're going to talk today in this series called How's Your Heart, and we're kind of uh, finishing it up today. But I want to tell you How's Your Heart has been a a great series over the last couple weeks. We've been looking in the book of Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon is another name for it, and and that's the guy that wrote it. His name is Solomon. And so what I want to talk to us about today is going to, again, I kind of feel it in my spirit a little bit, like, okay, we're going to take relationships. We've been talking about that, like, okay, God cares about relationships. God cares about emotions. He gave them to you. God cares about all of those things. They should ma- they matter to God, so they should matter to us. And so we've been talking about that, but I feel like, again, we could take a lot of face value things from the Song of Songs, right? If you go and read this book, it is like face value, husband and wife, like there's a lot going on. They're remembering the engagement. They're remembering the wedding ceremony. They're remembering the the wedding night. They're doing all of these things. They're going through arguments. They're going through fights. Like real life stuff is happening in Song of Songs. And again, we're going to take some face value stuff today with that, but there's also another narrative that's going on in this this book of Song of Songs that if we'll just take a 30,000 foot view. To me, it's just a good picture of the gospel and how much Jesus loves us, how much he cares about us, how much he pursues us, that he has come after us. And so we're going to kind of look at the face value of what it could do with your relationship today, but I also believe we're going to look at just another principle, just kind of pull it up and look from God's point of view of what this could mean to us. Everybody good with that? About six of you. Everybody good with that? 
All right, good, good, good. So we're going to do that together in just a second, but I got a question just to start everybody out together today. Question is this, have you ever had something that you thought was going to be easy, but it turned out to be anything but easy? Come on, somebody. If that's you, you understand what I'm talking about, wave at me right now. Okay. Y'all thought y'all was going in that test. You thought it was going to be easy, but guess what? It was anything but easy. Come on. How many of y'all been there before, right? All right. How many of y'all ever ever thought, okay, hey, you know what? I'm going to put this thing for my kids together, and it's going to be easy. Come on, somebody. All the dads in the room know what I'm talking about. Moms, too, right? Okay, you thought it was going to be easy. Well, guess what? It was anything but easy. Come on, right? Like, that's something for me. In our house, just a few weeks ago, Allie and I had gotten a new bed uh, frame from Target, hashtag Target. You know, I love that. If you're watching Target, awesome, cool, love that. Uh, but, like, like we got a we got a, a a new bed frame first one we've gotten in our uh, since we were married like literally and so we got this new bed frame and I was like shoot I don't need no instructions I'm a man come on somebody right anybody there anybody oh, it should be easy it's like got like five bolts it ain't nothing I'm a chicken farmer wearing skinny jeans sometimes but like here's the deal I can put some stuff together every now and then I'm like hey this won't be hard like this is not gonna be difficult this should be easy and I'll just tell y'all two hours later it was anything but easy I'm just telling y'all. I didn't even realize I'd left some of the stuff out in the uh, in the box, and it was already outside. Thankfully, the trash hadn't ran yet, because that would have been bad. But I'm telling y'all, I thought it was easy, and it was anything but easy. One more time, how many of y'all, how many of y'all have ever experienced something where you were going into it thinking it was going to be easy, but it was anything but easy? Come on, let me see. I think all of us have. I think we've all been there before. I think we've all experienced something like that before. And here's the thing I got to thinking about this week. Is that the exact same way that we treat our relationships? honestly. That's the exact same way that we treat our relationships uh, in life. A lot of times we think, you know what, it's going to be easy, right? Being a parent, oh, shoot, I could, I could be a parent before I was a parent. Come on, all the parents in the room, right? We could write the book on being a parent before we were actually a parent, okay? Like, man, it's going to be easy. And guess what? How many of us know it's anything but easy? I mean, you know, anybody out there, okay, in a, in a dating relationship, okay, we thought it was going to be easy. You thought you are going to love everything about them. You thought her laugh whenever she first started laughing, oh, it was just so cute. Now you're six months in, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this sounds like she's scraping chalkboard, like her nails on the chalkboard when she's laughing, all right? Like you thought it was going to be easy, but it's anything but easy. I think, I think there's a lot of things in life, relationships, marriage. I think a lot of things that we do in, in the relationships that we have, we go into it thinking, hey, this is going to be easy. But here's the thing. We wind up finding out it's anything but easy. I think it's the same way when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Because what begins to happen is on the inside of us, we begin to think, you know what? I give my life to Jesus, everything's going to be peachy. Everything's going to be good. It's all going to be easy. I can just kind of coast through life. Like I got this lifeguard that can save me if I'm, you know, I'm out there swimming too far. Like I, it's going to be easy. How many of y'all know that anything in the Christian life, as you follow Jesus, guess what? It's anything but easy sometimes. That there's choices you have to make. That there's decisions that you have to walk through when it comes to, hey, you know what, I'm going to not go there. I'm going to not do this. I'm going to choose to make a choice right now that I'm not going to do something. And that's anything but easy. But we talked about a few weeks ago that, hey, let's choose the hard right over the easy wrong every day. Like, let's do that. Let's do whatever we can to do that. And I think in our relationships, we have that. We treat our relationships this way like it's easy, but it's anything but. And I want to challenge us with this idea today, that healthy, life-giving relationships. And I think all of us in the room want those things, right? We want healthy, life-giving, thriving relationships. Come on, if you want that, raise your hand, wave at me like you just do care. Come on, all right? 
Like, like I, I think all of us want that. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Healthy, thriving, life-giving relationships. You know how they're spelled? Write it down. W-O-R-K. That's how it's spelled. Work. Somebody say work. You ain't got to go to work, work, work. Okay, sorry, sorry. Okay, like, like that's how it's spelled, work. W-O-R-K. If you want your relationships to work, guess, guess what? It takes work. If you want your relationships to grow, there's got to be some growth on your side. If you want relationships to mature, it takes maturing. Here's the deal. You and I will never drift towards healthy, life-giving relationships. You and I will never drift towards following God with our whole heart. We'll never drift towards loving God more. No, it's going to take intentional steps day after day, week after week, month after month of putting in the work that God has called us to. And so the title of today's message, once you write this down, in a, in a relationship series, the title of today's message is Work It, Work It, Work It. Tap your neighbor. Don't say work it to your neighbor. Don't do that. Do not do that today, okay? But I'm going to call you to work it. And we're going to talk about what that looks like today. Because I think, again, we talked about it uh, uh, literally all through January, uh, these excuses that we have in our life. I think a lot of us have good intentions, right? I think a lot of us have this intention, man, I want a healthy relationship. I want my relationship with God to grow. I want this to be life-giving. I want it to be thriving. I don't think any of us would set out to say we want want the opposite of that. No, no, no. We have great intentions, right? We have great intentions of that. But what happens is we begin to have those intentions that come up with excuses, and what we say is, well, well I meant to do that. You know, I, I was going to do that. I, I was thinking about doing that, or I was planning on doing that, but I, I just didn't. I intended to, but you know what I didn't do? I didn't follow through with that. And I think about, is there any, I heard Pastor Craig Rochelle say the other day, is there any area of your life where you can be lazy and actually see something get better? I don't know of any area of our life where that can be the case. And so for me, this is the thing that I'm challenged with, is that work turns our desires and intentions into action. That's really what it does for you and I. And a lot of times what happens is that the first sign of work when it comes to relationships, right? First sign of work, first sign of saying no to myself and my selfish desires, the first sign of any sort of resistance, the first sign of heartache, the first time of of it not going the way that we thought it was going to do, you know what we do and the tendency that we have to do is run the other way. We have a tendency to say, no, 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 I don't want that. I don't want pain. I don't want the heartache. I don't want the work. I'm going to go the other direction. I'm, I'm going to try and make it easier. I'm going to try and make it easier. And again, I think it's very, it's like this is the very process that God is going to work through. I believe it's the very process of resistance, of work, of pain that takes your relationship status to another level if you'll let it. I think even in your relationship with Jesus, like I think there's this very process of work and resistance and pain that takes our relationship with God and our dependence on Him to a, a, what, what a, uh, Ed Young used to say, a holy another level. Come on, somebody, right? Like, Because I think that's where God wants us to go. He wants us to take steps. He wants us to be different this time next year at this same time of the year, right? We need to be taking some steps and going towards that. And I just believe on the other side of you and I saying yes to the hard work, yes to the hard, the difficult, the pain, the the resistance that God has incredible relationship waiting for us. But I think there's some work that all of us can do. Somebody say work. 
I think there's some work that we can do. I just think there's some work that all of us can do if we're wanting to have some healthy relationships. And again, we're going to talk face value, but then I'm going to pull it up and talk about this relationship that we have with God because that's the most important thing, right? It's the most important thing that we can have is that relationship with God. And so I'm going to challenge you with a few things today, three things to be exact, three things that I want you to take. And I think if you will put the work and put the work in of doing these three things, I think your relationships are going to be healthy. I think they're going to be thriving. I think they're going to be uh, literally life-giving. Everybody good with that? About six of you again. I said, everybody good with that? All right, good. First thing I want you to write down, you got to do the work of watching what you say. Do the work of watching what you say. This is where we're going to pick up the Song of Solomon in just a second. We're going to pick up the Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, whatever your Bible might say, and we're going to read here because I think there's something that we can learn at face value, and then we can also learn the principle of it. As well. So you got to do the work of watching what you say. Look at uh, chapter 4 of Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 4, verse number 1 says this. It says this, verse 1, if you're ready for God's word, say, I'm ready. This is what it says. It says, you are beautiful, my darling, beautiful beyond words. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair falls in ways, and we're going to read it like it's reading. All right, everybody okay with that? This is the Bible. We're going to read the Bible like it says. Everybody good? Okay, here we go. We're going to read it together. Uh, Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. What a romantic man right there, all right? Your teeth are as white as sheep, recently shorn and freshly washed. Your smile is flawless. Each Each tooth matched with its twin. Come on, somebody. You know she ain't a redneck right now. She got twin teeth. Okay, sorry. I just love the Bible so much. Like, this is incredible. I just love it. Okay. Your lips are like scarlet, scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is inviting. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Your neck is as beautiful as the Tower of David, jeweled with shields of a thousand heroes. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle grazing among the lilies. Yes, we just said that in church, but it's in the Bible, okay? Before the dawn breezes blow and the night shadows flee, I will hurry to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. You are all together beautiful, my darling, beautiful in every way. All right, so we just read seven verses together in the Song of Solomon. I want you to understand something really quick. I think if we would just take note of the words that are being used, that you would understand and I would understand that there's this principle here that in just a few short verses, this man right here is affirming his wife with life-giving words, right? That's what he's doing. He is affirming her. He uses the word, if you go through the actual entire book of uh, Song of Solomon, he uses the word darling nine times. Nine times he uses the word darling when he's speaking to his wife. Again, four times in these seven verses, he uses the word beautiful. Go ahead, tap your neighbors. Just tell them, you are beautiful. Just go ahead. Come on, I'm I'm helping some of y'all out today. You ain't told your wife she's beautiful in a long time and you needed to, sir. All right? She's beautiful is what he's saying. And again, here's the deal. Look at me real quick. I think the principle that we need to take from here, the thing that we need to do some work on in our own heart, in our own life, is this idea that you and I need to understand that what you say carries weight behind it. That that what you say, again, I said this a few weeks ago, but the person that said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, they a liar, all right? They're lying. 
Because again, I think a lot of times we can take a lot of, of physicalness a lot of times, but I think sometimes the words sometimes can penetrate even deeper in our heart. I think, again, I think so many times for us, we don't even realize the words that we're using and the weight that is behind them. Your words matter. So you know what we're going to do in our relationships? we got to learn to do the work of watching what we say. Solomon wrote this in another book that he wrote called Proverbs. He said it like this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Right, that you and I have the ability to, to literally speak life or speak death with the words that we say. So what I'm going to tell us, what I'm going to challenge us, what I'm going to encourage us with is, listen to me, begin to do the hard work of looking and watching what you say. Because I think, again, what happens is, is so many times in marriage, we get so comfortable with each other. Sometimes in relationships, we get so comfortable with each other. And I'm going to speak to just the married people really quick uh, in my own life as well. It's wild to me, y'all, that sometimes we let things come out of our mouth in our marriage that we would never say to our worst enemy. That honestly, we would not say to our worst enemy, but we're saying it to our spouse, cussing, name calling, whatever it might be, right? Here's the deal. Please understand that every time you and I do that, if we were to do that, that you and I are making it very, very clear that we don't want a healthy, life-giving, thriving, biblical marriage. You're like, no, 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 Dustin, yeah, I do, yeah, I do. No, 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 look at what Ephesians 5.28 says. This is where the husbands, he's talking to the husbands, he says this, in the same way, husbands, you fellas, me, we, we ought to love our wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves loves his wife, actually shows love for himself. So again, when I'm asking us to watch what we say, if we're out there name calling with each other, guess what? When you call that name, please understand according to the Bible, I believe that you're calling yourself that name. That, that when you're calling names in marriage, guess what? You're calling yourself that because the two have become one. And I'm going to challenge us with that because many of us, you got to begin to watch what you say. And what, what, what I want to challenge us with is many of us are winning the word battle, but we're losing the marriage. And I think a lot of us are okay with winning the little short-term battle and losing the war. And I just want to tell you, I'm trying to equip you for war. I'm trying to encourage you for war that, guess what, marriage is going to be anything but easy. Relationships are going to be anything but easy. Parenting is going to be anything but easy. But I'm just committed to say, hey, you know what, let's watch what we say. Let's do the hard work of watching what we say. James 1.19. I hate this verse and love this verse at the same time. Anybody got a verse like that? You know what I'm talking about? Like, ooh, that's a great verse for somebody else today, right? You know? But, like, this is a verse I had to take to heart myself. James 1.19. Hey, you must all. Somebody say all. all. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to be angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Slow to be angry. I'm just telling you, if we want to experience life change, if we want to experience a healthy, thriving relationship, we got to begin to watch what we say. This is a great verse to put into practice. Quick to listen. What are they actually saying? Right? Are you listening or are you just present like staring off in space? Come on, somebody. All right? Sometimes that's where I find myself. Am I actually listening to what Allie has to say? And I love that next part because it's hard for me. Slow to speak. Come on, how many, how many people in the room? It's hard to be slow to speak. Come on, somebody. All right, I'm with you. Here's the thing. I heard an acronym one time that said it like this, that if you, if you want to be slow to speak, you need to learn the acronym WAIT. Somebody say WAIT. wait. And here's what the acronym stands for, W-A-I-T. Why am I talking? Come on, somebody, right? 
Some of y'all wives, do not elbow your neighbor. If Allie was close to me, she'd be elbowing me right now, all right? Wait. Wait, wait, wait. Slow to speak. Wait. Why, why am I talking? I think it's a great thing to run through. If we're going to really, if we're going to do the hard work of saying, hey, I'm going to watch what I say, maybe I need to wait to speak. Maybe, why, why am I talking? And the last thing, obviously, slow to get angry. Hey, am I denying myself? Am I denying my selfish pride in this, wor- in, in this relationship? And again, I want my words, I want your words, I want our marriages to be life-giving, not life-draining. I want our relationships to be building up, not tearing down. I want them to be speaking to their potential, not bringing up the past. I don't want to be having a relationship where there's name calling, and I don't want any of you two either raising your voice or saying you always or you never. Come on, how many of y'all know those are about cuss words in marriage too, right? You always do this. You never do that. Listen, I don't want, I, I'm, I'm going to encourage you. Do the hard work of watching what you say. Don't threaten divorce. And please, dear God, never quote your pastor during a fight. Come on, somebody, all right? That's all I'm asking you, okay? I, I just want to challenge you with that because your words carry weight. So how, how am I doing whenever it comes to what I'm saying? I want you to ask that. Hey, hey should I even say it? Should I say it now? And how am I saying it? Okay, because tone really declares a lot about what your heart is in the middle of it anyway. Okay, so, so I want to challenge you with that. Ephesians 4.29, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Don't use foul or abusive language, but let everything that you say be good and hopeful so that your words, somebody say your words, will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I just, got, I just got to thinking, you know what? I think our relationships would be so much better if our words were that right there. They weren't abusive, they weren't foul, that they would be good, that they would be helpful, that they would be encouraging to those that hear them. And I'm going to challenge all of us this week. Hey, would you begin to do the work of watching what you say? Begin to watch what you say. And I got to thinking about that. And I got to thinking about yours and my life. Let's take a 30,000-foot view now. right? So that was kind of face value relationship. Let me just pull it back a little bit and encourage you with something. Because I think so many times in my own life, I'm either listening to other people, what they say, or I'm listening to myself, what I have to say. And how many of you know that's a dangerous place sometimes to be in, right? When you're listening to others speaking to you, yes, that's important, but I'm talking about letting it get inside of you, what somebody comments on a a post or uh, says about you behind your back or whatever it might be. I I think a lot of times those things can sometimes lead us astray or even discourage us. And so I just felt like in my spirit, I needed to remind some people today of what God says about you, that there is a better language, there is a better word about your life, and that is the word that God says about you. And according to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse Verse 9, you are saved by the grace of God. That guess what? Colossians 2.10, that you are completed by Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1.4, I am chosen. 1 John 2.12, I am forgiven. Colossians 2.10, I am complete. 1 John 3.1, I am a child of God. Ephesians 1.7, I am redeemed. I'm going to keep going. I am a light. I am justified. I am free from sin. I am more than a conqueror because of Jesus. I am God's temple. I am one with Christ. I am called. I am created for good works. I am safe in Christ. I am victorious.
victorious. I am not condemned. I'm no longer a slave. I'm accepted. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I am healed. I am well planted. I am not alone. I am sufficient. I am strong. I am blessed. I am joyful. I'm alive. I'm precious to God. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm wonderfully made. I'm hopeful and I am his. Is there anybody thankful out there that we serve a God whose word trumps everything and all things and what anybody else might say? God's word trumps it all. That's what God says about you. So I want to encourage you. Maybe you're listening to the wrong voices. Maybe your ears are open to the wrong things. That's what we're going to kind of get down to next because what happens is we, we let that kind of take our eyes other places. So, again, if we're going to watch what we say, I think, number two, we got to do the hard work of watching what we see or watch what you watch, all right? <clears throat> watch what you watch. I think that's important for us to see. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 9, he goes on to say, hey, you have captured my heart, he says, my treasure, my bride. You hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes, with a single jewel of your necklace. Your love delights me, my treasure, my bride. Your love is better than wine, your perfume more fragrant than spices, your lips as sweet as nectar, my bride, honey and milk are under your tongue, your clothes are scented like the cedars of Lebanon. Listen, what you see right here is he's looking at her. He, obviously, he's affirming her. He's speaking to her, but he's seeing her. He's scoping her. He's seeing her with his eyes. And I just kind of just came to this realization this week, and I want to encourage all of us, according to Scripture right there, I'm reminded that what you look at matters. That what your focus is matters. That who has your or what has your eye matters. Where your attention is, it matters. William Shakespeare said it like this. Your eyes are the windows to your soul. Well, guess what? He stole that from Jesus because this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. He said it like this. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your entire body. And when your eye is healthy, when you're looking at good things, when you're focused on things that are good, that are holy, that are righteous, that are set apart, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, looking at things that aren't God-honoring, aren't uplifting, aren't noble, aren't honorable, your whole body is filled with darkness. And so I came to challenge some of us today. What we feed our eyes will eventually rule in our heart. And I just got to thinking, you know what, I, I wanted to be really practical right here and throw this out to you. Hey, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? My question, practically, like legitimately, evaluate what you and I, what are we spending our time looking at? You know what, when it comes to marriage, husbands, yours and my theme song, listen, it should be the Flamingos, 1959, I only have eyes. For you. Come on, somebody, right? How many of y'all heard that song, right? Guess what? In marriage, that should be your anthem. Ah, oh, man, it ain't no big deal. I, I'm, I'm looking at the menu, but I ain't ordering. Uh-uh. Because this is what Jesus tells us. And I was fired up about this. I put this in there last night. I don't even know if it's going to be up on the screen. Matthew 5, 28. Anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So you may be looking, but it's not, it's not that it doesn't hurt and it doesn't do any damage, because it does. So my question is, what are we looking at? What is it that we're focused on? I find myself more in tune with the screen than I am with my family. 
Am I more in tune with, with, with literally what social media has to say more than I am infatuated with the Word of God and things that I'm looking at? And Again, some of that stuff is not bad. Nothing wrong with that. And like, you ain't going to hear me be like, oh, my gosh, that dude is hating on social media. No. But when it has your full attention, that's when the problem happens. My, my heart is this for us. Just because something isn't inherently bad doesn't mean it can't fill our eyes so full that it crowds out the one who matters most. I think so many times in our life, that's what darkened eyes looks like. Eyes so full of anything other than Jesus that you can no longer see him and enjoy him. And I think that that's something that we find ourselves in. I think about your eyes. They're so important. I think they're the gateway, honestly, the gateway to what you let in your life. And I think about the very first sin, Adam and Eve, right? What do we see in Genesis chapter 3? And it says this in Genesis 3 verse 6. The woman was convinced. Watch what it says. She what? Come on, say it again. She what? She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. So my question is, what are you looking at? Let's do the hard work of asking ourselves this question. Because again, I think, I think again, I want our prayer of our church to be, Lord, you can have our heart. Guess what that includes? My eyes. Guess what that includes? My mouth. I think that's so important for us to understand is that, hey, what are you looking at? And then I'm going to even flip it in. Maybe, maybe you're, you're married or maybe you're single, whatever this might be for you. What are you looking for in a relationship? Like, are you looking for fulfillment? Are you looking for, like, this person will complete me? Well, this person will make me the person that I'm supposed, like, like I am. And here's my heart for you. The only person that can ever complete you is Jesus Christ. And my heart for you is that you and I would not spend our whole life trying to fill the gaps and holes in our life of things that we think would try and fill us that only Jesus can fill. I think it starts with our eyes, man. What are you looking at? What are you looking for? I think a lot of us, again, here, let me talk to the married people real quick. If you go into marriage looking for all the wrong things in your marriage, guess what? You're going to find all the wrong things in your marriage. If you put those, those goggles on and start looking at all the bad, guess what you're going to find? All the bad, all right? I want to encourage you. Now, I'm not saying that you run from that. I'm saying that obviously there has to be some conversation, some life-giving conversation through that. I'm not saying that just what, just point out the good and that's all. No, 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 I'm not saying that. But I am saying that in everyday life, what happens is we tend to focus on the negative. We tend to focus on the bad. And I just want to challenge some of us today. Your eyes are the gateway to your heart. And again, I think so many of us go into relationships with this huge list of things that we expect the other to do, that we expect the other to have. I want him to be six foot four. I want him to have a job. Come on, that needs to be number one on the list. Other than Jesus. All right, Jesus' job. Okay, two J's. All right? But like, 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 like I, I have all of these things. Then again, I, I think that's great that your standards are high. I think it's fantastic that that's the case, especially if you're single. I just want to challenge you. Never have a list that you would not be willing or could not live up to yourself. I think, again, what are you looking at? What are you looking for? Let's do the hard work of drilling in on our eyes. What do we watch? And I think some of us need to do the hard work of repenting right now. And we need to say, God, we've looked in a lot of other directions other than you. I've looked in a lot of other places. But today, God, I'm turning my gaze towards you. Today, I'm turning my focus back on you. My eyes are focused on you. And the last thing I want to tell us about is, again, let's do the hard work of what, what, like watching what we say. Watching what we see, and the last thing I think we need to do the hard work of is watch who or what you let in your life. 
Watch who or what you let in your life. Here's the thing. I think about if you keep reading in Song of Solomon, you go down to the next chapter, chapter 5, verses 2. The young woman is, is sitting there, and I want to read this to us, but I think this is one of those things I think for me is such a challenge for all of us in the room of, of who and what am I letting in my life. Watch what it says in verse 2. It says, I slept, but my heart was awake. And when I heard my lover knocking and calling, he was calling, open to me, my treasure, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. But I responded. Watch the young lady, how she responds to the one that she loves. Hey, hey, I've taken off my robe. Should I get dressed again? Like, I've washed my feet. Come on, wash your feet before you get in your bed. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, sorry. This is one of them things. All right, all right. Woo! Okay. I've washed my feet. Should I get them soiled? And you know what I'm thinking when I'm reading that? The one that she loves is at the door, and guess what he's doing? He's knocking. And he's knocking. And what is she doing? She's making excuse after excuse, after excuse of why she can't let him in. And I think for so many of us, watch what it goes on. My lover tried to unlatch the door. Hey, he wants to come in. He wants to be a part of her life. I love that so much. My heart was thrilled within me. I jumped up to open the door for my love after he'd been knocking for so long. And my hands dripped with perfume. My fingers dripped with lovely myrrhs. I pulled back the boat. And watch what it says. I opened to my lover, but he was gone. And I think for so many of us, I, I, I want to challenge us today. If you don't like what you're getting out of your relationship, listen to me. Watch who or what you're letting in your relationships. And I got to thinking, you know what? We see this one that she loves standing at the door and knocking. And she gives excuse after excuse of why she can't get up and why she can't let him in. And if I'm being honest, I think too for us, we have gotten too familiar, we've gotten too comfortable with the voice of the world that we've forgotten what the voice of the one that we love sounds like. And I think so many times in our life, that's where we find ourselves. But here's Jesus. He's standing. And guess what he's doing? He's knocking. He's saying, hey, let me in. Hey. I got something for you. I'm better than what you're going through right now. I'm better than what you're experiencing right now. And if you go on to read chapter 5, and we'll have to come back to the Song of Songs uh, and maybe just do a, like a, a How's Your Heart Part 2 series, um, maybe later on this year, next year. And, uh, but what you see is that as she goes out looking for him, so she goes on this pursuit, again, looking for her lover. She goes through a lot of pain and a lot of heartache on the other side of that. I think... And I got to thinking about, in our own life, if we would just open the door and we would just let God in, if we would just let Jesus into your life today, if you'll let Jesus back into your marriage today, if you'll just let Jesus back into your relationship today, I promise you what may seem like heartache in the meantime, what may seem like an inconvenience for you to move when God tells you to move, to work when God tells you to work, to go when God tells you to go, I really do believe that on the other side of that is there is a, there is a relationship waiting for you that's better than anything you ever desired or dreamed. I, 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 was, I was reading this week. I got to thinking about these, these couple points, what you, what you say, what you see, what you let in. And I was led over to Proverbs chapter 4. 
And I'd already gotten kind of the, the, the layout of the message done this week, and then the Lord laid this on my heart. And I got to thinking, if this is not a summation of today's service, I don't know what is. If this is not a summation of this series, I don't know what is. Look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 27. And then we're going to respond. We're going to respond to what God is calling us to do today. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies behind you and mark out a straight path to your feet. Stay on the safe path. Let me in. I feel like he was saying Let me in. Let me guide you. Let me lead you. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know what? Let that be the cry of our heart of our church right now. God, would you guard our hearts? Would you guard our eyes? Would you guard what we say? And, man, would we let you in to be able to walk us to wherever you're calling us to go? Thank you so much again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps out so much. For more content and information, head over to ourpurpose.church. We love you guys and hope you have a great week on purpose.